Sit down. This is a giant's house. I hate the fucking giants. Oh, what we say about that life? I want to be a part of it. New York, New York. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John Ledyard from PewterReport.com. On a wonderful Wednesday morning, great to be back with you. We have turned over a new leaf, and Scott Reynolds is here to officially do it with me. We're done with the loss. We're moving on to the Giants game in Week 11, Bucks against Giants, Monday night football, and hoping that this team fares a little bit better in primetime when they're at home, Scott, as opposed to when they're on the road. Let's get into this one, man. I'm excited. This is going to be a low-key kind of a maybe yeah. a closer game than Bucks fans want it to be, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, listen, uh, as Emily points out, yes, uh, the Bucks are 6-3, and three, very much in it, still on top of the NFC South. We're not going to be you know, too negative on this show by any means. But I, I think the thing is, is, is um, I, I'm a little concerned about this game. And I'll tell you why. Um, if you go back and look, Daniel Jones beat the Buccaneers in 2019 at Raymond James Stadium. Okay, now what happened two years ago doesn't have any bearing necessarily on what happens in 2021. Other than the Giants led by Daniel Jones, they're they have a win in this building. They're not going to be intimidated, especially when last year at uh, you know at New York on Monday Night Football, the Giants led that game at several points in the first quarter. Actually, at halftime, it was 14-6. to six. They had a lead at the end of the third quarter, and it wasn't until the fourth quarter that the Buccaneers took over the lead and then hung on to it. It took an Antoine Winfield Jr. pass breakup on a two-point conversion, John, in the end zone, yeah. a hero play by the rookie at that point in time on a pass intended for Deion Lewis, who had a touchdown earlier in that game on, on Devin White, to win that game 25-23. So I'm, I'm you know, I, I want to believe that the Buccaneers are Jekyll and Hyde. I want to believe that they are this magical team that's undefeated at home that are going to come out and, and, and live up to their 40.5 points per game average at Raymond James Stadium, which is a stark contrast from the 23-point efforts on average that they score on the road. That's a 17-point differential home and away. But but I just don't believe after this two-game losing streak where, where there was some warts exposed a little bit that they're going to come home and magically flip the switch against a Giants team that says, hey, we have played with you guys toe-to-toe the last two years um, we're supposedly not that good. You're supposedly really good. Um, but we barely beat you in 2019. You barely beat us last year. I think this is going to be a closer game than people want to believe it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, I mean, even the odds that bucks are 11 point favorites right now. <laughs> That's kind of crazy to me. I mean, That's crazy. 11 point favorites. I mean, yeah. we're, it's Wednesday. Like I, yeah. I mean, that's just a lot of points. You don't it see is. lines that big, period, let alone the Bucks coming off two right. losses. The Giants have played uh, obviously better lately. We'll talk about that in a second. There's lots to get into with this one. We're also going to talk about Larry Foote's comments today and some of Bruce Arians' comments too. And just in general, uh, we'll, we'll kind of touch on some things uh, that have happened this week. But of course, we got to shout out our title sponsor uh, who brings you this podcast today, our friends over at Celsius. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. Saw somebody say, what did they say they were rocking? What watermelon? Did Sparkling watermelon. watermelon. Yes. Sparkling oh, watermelon. That's his favorite. I, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's uh I got blueberry pomegranate here. That's one of my favorites. The Ooh, um the Celsius the heat. heat. Uh yeah. yeah, the heat. Uh definitely one of my top choices. But yeah, Celsius. I mean, the great thing about them, unbelievable tastes and flavors. You can see a bunch of the flavors up here on the screen there with wild berry, which I just got some actually came in the mail there you yesterday. Go. Uh, there's the sparkling orange. There's a of lot course. of kiwi guava. I got tropical vibe uh, going into the fridge later tonight. Um, there's a lot of different flavors and they're all really good and there's no sugar in any of them and they won't make you crash either like other energy drinks. They'll sustain you. They'll pick you up. Uh, they'll give you the energy you need to get done whatever you're trying to get done during the day. Um, and they're good for you too. I mean, they accelerate metabolism, burn body fat, all those things. So make sure you check out Celsius.com. Use the store locator to find out where they are near you or click the banner ads over at pewterreport.com as well. And you can uh, get yourself uh, some Celsius that way. Check out those new banner ads on pewterreport.com, right? I mean, I think everybody 
that watches our podcast visits peterreport.com for their bucks news if you don't you should right i mean that's that's just we got like 10 stories up there today (laughs) exactly it's been a very busy day we've had a very busy traffic day a lot of lot of news we're going to get to in just a second before we get to our bucks giants preview john but click on those celsius banners to make it really easy to find where you can get celsius in your area and, and order it too so Mm-hmm. Uh, brand new Celsius ads. Click on those, and they will hook you up with uh, with the details great. you need to get Celsius in your body. That's great. Love it. Okay, let's talk about these Larry Foot comments today. Larry Foot yes. uh, is some really, I think, just surprising comments. In fact, I'm going to read the full quotes of what he said yep. so I don't misquote him. But this, the line of questions. You're talking about, about Larry Foot, who is the outside linebackers yes. coach for the Buccaneers, and a, a guy who was very well thought of inside the in building. In fact, right? you published another Larry Foot story earlier today, right? That he was mentioned yeah. as a possible – he was on a very long list. We should have right. an extremely yes. long list of honorable mentioned uh, up-and-coming young coaches in the league that could potentially be looked at as future head coaches. Obviously, he – Right. I would need coordinator first, but um, this was this was his quote. He was asked specifically about Joe Tryon, Shoinka, Jason Pierre-Paul, the situation there as the outside linebackers coach. Why Jason Pierre-Paul maybe isn't playing more uh, at this, or sorry, why Joe Tryon, Shoinka isn't playing more uh, snaps at this point? Uh, he said, "You've got to start with the paychecks first, Foot said. The guy with the biggest paychecks, they play the most. It's fortunate to get drafted with two guys like that. Speaking of Joe Tronchenko, yeah, and it's going to pay off in the long haul. As far as his career, he went on to say, "I'm quite sure on probably over half the other teams in the league, he'd probably be a starter." Foot said, "But he has to wait his turn, like a lot of guys. His fault was being—he's joking about this. His fault was being drafted 32 and not top five or ten or top ten. I we're going to try to get him a lot of snaps. He needs to just keep learning." When that opportunity calls, he'll seize it, which he has earlier in the season when he played when Jason was out. So he's doing a good job. I'm happy with his play. Obviously happy with Joe Trinchenko, but my biggest yeah. gripe here, Scott, is the process saying the biggest paychecks play the most. That's, that's not good. Gotta I don't know that players. that's even a universally – like I've not noticed that actually being a thing with the Bucs. I should – that's the more important part, but it's a weird quote. Yeah. It, it, listen, it, when, when I heard that today, I immediately thought of – Back in 2007, the Bucks drafted Gaines Adams in the first round. Now, he wasn't a 32nd overall pick. I think he was mm-hmm. seventh overall pick, right? So he was a top 10 guy, kind of like what Larry Foote was saying, right? Like, hey, if you drafted that high, you're going to play. But I remember back that year, this is Monty Kiffin's defense, and um, Greg Spires was still playing for the Buccaneers. Mm, I remember him. Yeah. So, you know, he came to, to Tampa Bay in 2002. They called him the Crane because he did all the heavy lifting. Got a sack in the Super Bowl. He was that that kind of workmanlike bookend to Simeon Rice. Simeon Rice was was the 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 Lamborghini, the sports car, right? The 15 and a half sacks and you know, you know, bringing the heat on third down. Greg Spires took on the double teams, the point of attack in the run game, uh, and was workmanlike. They call him the crane because of that heavy lifting. Got a couple sacks during the Super Bowl season, including one in the Super Bowl. And um, you know, he just was a blue collar, lunch pail mm-hmm. kind of guy the kind of guy coaches love, right? And because mm-hmm. they can trust them. And and I think that the problem universally, not just in Tampa, but universally um, in, in football, especially at the NFL level, John, is coaches love veteran guys because they can trust them. They're battle-tested. They've been in, in the wars and the trenches with them. And, and it's hard sometimes – to let go and play the new guy because yeah. as a coach, you're so afraid of, well, if I put this guy in, he's going to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Rather than looking at the positive and saying, hey, Joe Tronchwink is like perfectly healthy and really young and really athletic and really fast, and and he's the future. He can also be the present. He needs to be in there and play half the snaps, especially with Jason Pierre-Paul um, really laboring with, with a, a rotator cuff uh, injury. Right. Um, so I, my point is back in 2007 – I remember talking to to Mark Dominic, who was uh, who was in Bruce Allen's front office at the time as a pro personnel uh, director, you know. And I said, you know, why aren't you playing Gaines Adams more? You know, mm-hmm. listen, Kevin Carter's playing, and, and he was the old veteran too. But you're also mm-hmm. playing Greg Spires, who at age 33 was a shell of his former self. Yeah, that year Spires had two sacks, um, started eight games. They finally played Gaines Adams, and to Gaines's credit, he finished with six sacks which was most on the team that year and, um, and, and really kind of came on. Now, now he plateaued and, and you know, was never really developed. He never really lived up to his draft hype and they ended up trading him to Chicago. 
a couple of years later. But in 2007, Gaines Adams was the best pass rusher they had. Mm-hmm. And they didn't find that out until they finally played him. And and I remember Mark saying, it's it, it's in the NFL, it's it's a it's a little bit of a war, right? In during the season, because the front offices, the scouts, the personnel guys, they want to see the draft picks play. Right. That's why you yeah. draft them. Right. But, but the coaches resist that. They want to stick with their old warriors. And and you know, sometimes that's the right call. Other times it's just not. Right. And, and I don't think that Pierre Paul is like totally ineffective or should be out of the rotation. We've said Correct. that. We just think that yes. it should be more of a snap share and not Tron Chuinka playing Nothing wrong nineteen snaps and Pierre Paul yeah. playing, you know, seventy percent of the snaps. Right. Like that's that's where it breaks down for me. So we'll see. I, I just don't like more than even the specific situation, which obviously, you know, foot only has so much control over, you know, it's ultimately probably bull's yeah. decision with the defense. I just don't like the philosophy in general. I don't like the, even if it's subconscious, well, obviously now it's conscious. Yeah. He's vocalized it. Yeah, um, don't say I don't, it. Don't yeah. Say I don't it like that way. It's bad thinking. luck. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and we, I don't even putting that out there about your team. Like, you know, people know I'm the last person to, go crazy about this kind of stuff but the idea is just wrong like that's not the culture arians has created and to be honest like i said it's not the culture i've seen either like i'm yeah. trying to even think we haven't we'll probably reached that point because the bucks are such a i mean they, yeah they're young player i mean they still had young players that have yeah. played i mean their whole secondary was all on rookie contracts last year when they won a super bowl so yeah i don't know that it's necessarily actually happening in tampa bay other than maybe this jpp trying to drink a situation i do think the bucks coaches scott for whatever reason they believe that jpp gives them this mystical energy, which he clearly does give him give energy right. and, and leadership and, and vocal leadership on the field that they just don't want to play without. Um, and I don't think that it isn't valuable, but I don't think it's as valuable as they think it is. Like sacks are more valuable. Sacks and just like Larry Foote said, hey, five sacks are great, but we need those sacks to come on third down because that's when sacks matter the most yeah. is when you get off the field due to a sack or a sack fumble. But, but uh, John, I agree with you. And I think the thing is, is, is with, with Larry Foote, and listen, he's a good coach and, and all that stuff, mm-hmm. um, there, there's a reason why Jason Pierre-Paul makes $12.5 million this year. He made the Pro Bowl last year. He had a really good year. And I, yeah. I would suspect Jason Pierre-Paul, the healthy version of him, would have a hell of a lot more than two sacks right now, and or two and a half sacks in a forced fumble and be a more impactful player. But the reality is, is he's not. The reality is he's going to be 33 next year. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying he's going to be a lock to return to Tampa. What I do know is Joe Tryon-Shoinka will be probably a starter next year. And and the the more, yeah, he better be. And the more you can get him ready for next year by giving him experience this year, the better. Right. And uh, interesting quote too from Bruce Arians on Bucks Total Access. And we're going to have a story on this later uh, pro football, or uh, sorry, we're gonna have a story on this later at uh, a Pewter Report. But um, he said when he was asked by Casey Phillips on about Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre Paul's performance, and he she said they had five set, we had five sacks as a team, and you know, neither of those guys had one. What were your thoughts on they their performance? By the way, Casey Phillips sacks. asked so many or tough tackle. questions, and I just think it's yes. so good. Great like, job. team reporters that do that are just so few and far between. So, Bucks Total Access must listen. But Arians was just like, yeah, I thought it was their both their you know poorest performance of the season. I, it was. You know, I respect a lot more. And I, you and I know that. Like we talked about that yeah. in the post game pod. But I, you know, I just like Arians' transparency. Obviously, as a media member, it's great. <laughs> yeah. You know, we talk about that. I talk about this with other team media people all the time. It's obviously great for us and for our jobs for sure. But more right. than anything, like how do players respond to that now? And I think like players have always loved Arians despite his bluntness. That shows the rapport right. he has yeah. with them to be able to say things like that. But it uh, also they need to step up like those guys need to play yeah. better um and this is a huge opportunity to do so against the giants this week um right. so let's get let's dive into this one yeah. scott i agree um, now hold on let's let's start yeah. right there if we can because i think it's a great segue to sticking with jason pure paul and shack Bart, who shack you know said he's been very disappointed the last two games in his play mm-hmm. he has to look in the mirror and listen sometimes Sometimes the money can get to you. And I'm not saying that's the case with Shaq, but I've talked to enough players in the locker room. And unfortunately, yeah, no we, we can't get in the locker room because of COVID. Right. But, but I'm just but saying. But everybody, that, that dude, he's different. Like, he didn't yeah. even hit free agency, Scott. He didn't I even know. care. He just wants to play football. He, like He does. I yeah. honestly believe this. I know the fans take this easy narrative because, like, it's they're mad sometimes and they lash out. 
you are never going to have like a, a money situation with Shaq Barrett. Like he's, well, a, dude, listen, you know I, this, right? I, like, I'm, I'm not saying he's coasting right now. I'm not saying he's taking that no. route. Sometimes what I'm, I'm thinking is you can put too much pressure on yourself because of the price tag, because you feel the weight of the world, like you're letting your team down, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one thing to, Hey, I'm a starter. I got to go out there and play. It's another thing. It's like, damn, like this team gave me the franchise tag last year. Rewarded me with a seventeen million dollar contract, you know, seventeen million dollar per year contract on average. Um, I gotta play, and sometimes, sometimes that that uh, that pressure uh, can can get to a player positively, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like I expect Shaq to have a, a really really good game on Monday. Yeah. Sometimes, and maybe it was the last couple of weeks, you feel that pressure where where like uh, you know you're out there trying. And sometimes it's just not your day, man. We've all had that day, whether it's mm -hmm. whether it's you know working in any line of work or out there on the football field. Sometimes you show up and it just it just not your day, right? Yeah. And, and I I think that was kind of how it was with Shaq on Sunday. It mm -hmm. wasn't for lack of effort. I, I I don't think that he was coasting or anything like that. But but sometimes that money can weigh on a player with within the same season, good mm -hmm. and bad. And I think we've seen the bad, and I think maybe we'll see the good. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Shaq just doesn't even care about it, not even thinking about it. Um, but I'm just yeah. saying sometimes that can be a factor, but I expect him to bounce back. And, and you know, John, you and I both said against Washington, you know, an injured Sam Cosme, the rookie, uh, Charles Leno Jr., not the gangbusters, you know, left tackle he was against the you know, when he was playing for the Bears. But both those guys really showed up and did a number on JPP and on uh, on Shaq. Anthony Nelson had a had the best day with four tackles. In a sack mm. on 17 snaps, but yeah. now it's a different story. You've got Andrew Thomas, the left tackle on injured reserve, Matt mm -hmm. Parrott, who's he was activated by the day, by the way today, a couple hours ago. Thomas, we, yeah, I just looked that okay. up right now, but I don't think usually don't players are a, a yeah. little bit. Yeah, we'll see if he plays. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he will. Well, but we'll I, I, I think it's going to be Parrott at left tackle, who's given up three sacks this year and he's I, struggling. Yeah, and and speaking of struggling, right? I mean, nobody struggled more on that offensive line. Than Nate Solder, who is a shell yeah. of his former self at age 33, giving up three sacks, 27 pressures this year. Um, he has been a bit of a revolving door. So yeah. this could be the game where where Shaq and JPP – let me rephrase that. This should be the game where Shaq and JPP get right in the sack column. And if not, Joe Tryon, Joe Tryon Shoinka, um, you know, gets, gets a, a legitimate sack or two. The one he had last week – counted but it wasn't yeah. that legitimate wasn't it? right right yeah he again he's hardly getting any opportunities really but yeah. uh to rush that much but yeah he was in coverage a little bit more again the other night uh i don't I know if his usage this season unless somebody gets hurt is gonna it's gonna lend itself to high sack numbers i mean he might get five or six by the end of the year but it, it might look like the ones the other night just because he they're just not using them in a way that yeah. to me best fits his skill set so um, but yeah, you mentioned uh, Solder and Pert. I mean, this is matchups that Tampa Bay really should win. Thomas was playing a lot better actually in his second season. I know yes. after everybody's clowning the Giants, and I still think the Giants obviously made a mistake passing on Tristan Wirfs. Yeah. Um, I actually had Jedrick Wills higher too. I had Wills yeah. and, and Wirfs above Andrew Thomas and Mackay Beckton, but he's been hurt all year. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, so I, I, Thomas is the fourth offensive tackle. Yeah, yeah, in the yeah, class. yeah. And he, I had him as an early first. second round grade, actually, um, yeah. which is like a very good starter grade to me. So, like about yeah. what he's played at this year is more what I expected, not the disaster right. that was last year. Um, so he's he's looked better when he's played, but again, yeah, the injury now, and we don't know whether he's going to play this week. Pert is is struggling on the left side. He was right tackle in college, yeah. so that transition for him has been tough. Oddly enough, Solder's been a left tackle his whole career. I don't know why they don't just he's just him, slow. I think that's the thing, John. Is, yeah, is, you know, Solder's just about done. I think. Yes, um, yeah. It's in, but they paid him the money, so here we are. And, yeah. and the interior's too, okay, but it's not great yeah. either, Scott. I, I think with the right tackle, it's easier to help out with with the back on that side or, or a, a tight end to chip, right? So I yeah. think I think that's why you've got the younger, more athletic Kurtz on the left side, six foot seven. He's got he's got a, a decent wingspan. I, I liked him a little bit as a developmental tackle coming out of UConn, but yeah, yeah. But yeah. the footwork still needs. He's actually a lot. okay at right tackle last year. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, feels like they should flip those guys, <laughs> like Solder back to the left and Perf back to the. But hey, yeah. keep them the same this week. Don't that's right. Yeah. Um, this is yeah, this is going to be a, a one where I, although the. The, the numbers aren't that bad for the Giants in terms of sacks that they've allowed the season. Uh, uh, yeah. you know, they've 
been Daniel Jones or whoever's been a quarterback has been sacked 20 times this year, tied for 16th in the NFL. So it's not great numbers for sure, right. but it's not like disastrous numbers like we've seen in mm -hmm. the past. And they're also avoiding turnovers a little bit better. Lately, it's picked up again, but Jones or start the year was avoiding turnovers really well. Now they're up to 11th, which is 20th in the NFL, but that's still one uh, less, uh, you know, what the Bucs have, what, 12 turnovers this year? So, so I don't know. The, I think that's the turnover number is one that you could see start to go the south for the Giants. Like Daniel yeah. Jones, larger sample size suggests he won't be the player who protected the ball better the first five, six games right. of the year, and he will be the player who puts the ball in harm's way more often than not. And I'll look up some turnover-worthy uh, stat throw numbers for him in a second. But that is where this one gets kind of interesting to me is if the Giants, because they have not run the football well all year, whether Barkley's right. been in or out, and I think he's – Still banged up. I think he's questionable. Um, you know, he's coming off the bye, obviously. Yeah. But that hasn't really been a big part of their offense this season. You know, right. running rushing volume has been okay, I guess. You know, but they, you know, they've run for about ninety six yards per game. That's twenty fifth in the NFL. Yeah, but Daniel they're only Jones averaging three point nine yards per attempt. Daniel Jones accounts for almost thirty of those yards yeah. on a weekly basis. There you go. So I so. mean, him scrambles and things like that is yeah. a big part of this. So they have not run the ball well at all. So. The Giants, it really all starts with what they're able to do in the passing game and what they're able yeah. to do defensively. And that's what the season they came into the season kind of hoping for, especially as Barkley was hurt pretty early on. Right. Um, and it hasn't really materialized. Daniel Jones is, like I said, not taking maybe as many sacks or turnovers. He also hasn't taken the leap either. Uh, and then he Correct. got banged up and hasn't been the same since he's been, you know, healthy again. Um so that was their offense kind of starts and it's never really gotten going. And I feel like Jason Garrett is one of the worst offensive coordinators in the NFL. And so there's just not a lot in place to help Jones. And I, I am not I sure agree. what the giants do well enough to be afraid of uh, in terms well, of uh, the I, I'm, defense, I'm with you, John. that also might not matter. <laughs> you're, you're right. And if you go back to last year, let's, let's uh, uh, answer. Uh, he's a question here. John and Scott, if the Bucks lose this game, being at home and on a three game slide is a time to panic. I would say, Oh yes. yeah. Yeah, yes. definitely. They lose three games in definitely. a row in yeah, all three to teams. That, yeah. Yeah. All three to yeah. teams that look at the same schedule, man. They might not make the playoffs. Like, I know if the Bucks lose three games to I mean, the Saints, if they make it, are going to be like a, a 10 and seven type team, you know, a nine and yeah. eight. Like, it's going to be that type of six, seven seed like situation, Correct. I think, because their schedule is just hard. They have, yeah. and I know they're well coached, but they're, when you don't have a quarterback position and they just drop two in a row, they're tougher games ahead yeah. uh, than the ones they've just played, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, – If you remember last year, John, up in, in New York, the Bucks were in for a bit of a surprise because the Giants came out in, in a lot of 12, even some 13 personnel, and they ran the ball pretty yeah. effectively, right? They averaged 4.2 yeah. 4 yards per carry. And, you know, Wayne Gallman was the leading rusher, 44 yards. He had a touchdown in that game. And, uh, and the Giants ran for 101 yards, which that's, that's surprising against the Bucks, who, you know, average giving up around 70 or so per game. So I, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if they tried that approach again, because mm -hmm. the more you run the ball, if you have some success with it, that's less yeah. opportunities for Daniel Jones to throw interceptions like he gifted the Bucks twice last year. And yeah. you know, also less opportunities for him to get sacked. Right. Here's some interesting stuff about the Giants. They they lost five of their first six games to start the season. They've won two of the last three, and they've beaten two teams with, well, I guess the Panthers are 500. They crushed the Panthers 25-3. to three. That was yeah. a complete Sam Darnold collapse game. He was atrocious yeah. in that game. Then they barely lost to the Chiefs. Obviously, the Chiefs are struggling, but still, that's a good offense, and they held them in check most of the game, really right. kept the Chiefs from doing a lot of good things in that game. That was a really ugly win for the Chiefs. Then they went and they beat the Raiders, who uh, are what five and three or five and four or something like that now. Um, and here's the wild part about this game: you see the final score, 23-16. You're like, wow, the Giants' defense has really turned around. They're dominating. They had a couple weeks where they got like 38 plus points yeah. put on them in a row. Uh, if you look down a little bit further, the Raiders had 403 yards in this game, Scott, yeah. and they went one for six in the red zone i yeah. don't know if i have ever seen one for six in the red zone that's I, atrocious i think, I think when, when when you're looking at one and six in the red zone it's as much of your own meltdown as it is as it is because clearly you have the ability to move the ball and yes. it doesn't mean the giants yeah. didn't make some plays but you probably you probably got yourself pretty good not getting in the right. end zone not winning a game where you rake the red zone six times yeah 
That's pretty crazy. That um, so, and the Raiders had three turnovers, and I'm sure yeah. I think some of those were in the red zone too. So right. that's a big part of this as well. Um, you know, there was a pick six in this game um, that mm-hmm. that gave the Giants. So Giants offense. What I mean to say by by saying all this is that offensively they really because that's what we're looking right now. They really yeah. have not gotten it going. They had 245 total yards in this game. Right. Like that's it for the yeah. game. And that was one of their wins this season. And obviously the Chiefs defense has been atrocious and the Giants barely could move the football against them. You know, 17 points in that game. Right. Uh, again, a game where they struggled to run the football. Um yeah, it just has not been uh, it's not been they've not been able to get it going and do anything consistently productive. In fact, the most exciting part of the Giants offense so far this year has been when Kadarius Tony has played their rookie yes. uh, first round pick. He's 352 receiving yards um, this year, but he's also been hurt a lot. I think he's probably, mm-hmm. gonna, I think he's going to play in this game. Let me see if there's an update. I was hoping we'd get an injury report before this yeah. podcast. I mean, but he's played in eight games this year and he leads the Giants with the 28 catches, 352 mm-hmm. yards in terms of uh, he's second on the team behind Sterling Shepard in terms of catches, but uh, 352 yards leads the Giants, still waiting for his first touchdown. He's also a threat for some of those reverses and, and end-arounds. Yep. Um, he hasn't been too successful, three attempts for only six yards, but you know he's just a gadget-type guy in the mm-hmm. backfield. And uh, I think that the one thing that we, we do need to talk about is, and this goes right into your point, John, if the Giants are going to have a chance in this game, They've got to make it a slugfest. They've got to make it a low-scoring slugfest because that's the type of games they've had some success in this year. And if you go back to last year, the Buccaneers outscored the Giants 10-6 to in the fourth quarter. But they only scored 15 points to the first three quarters. So this was the type of game the Giants had a chance to win because they were able to get it to the fourth quarter. Now the Bucs prevailed 25-23. But um, we would be remiss – and again, I, I will reserve judgment to see if the Bucks are going to continue to score an average of 40 points per game at home. But the one thing that's encouraging, John, that, that speaks to your point about the Giants' offense struggling is at least Tampa Bay's defense has done a really, really good job at home, too. That's kind of been overshadowed by how prolific this offense has been. But if you go back and look, they surrendered 29 points to Dallas in Week 1, mm-hmm. 25 points to the Falcons in Week 2. Uh, the next time they were at home was against Miami, 17 points, and then three points. So they have given up fewer points each single time that they've taken the field of Raymond James Stadium. So I think that the Giants have scored more than three points. I think they're better than the Bears. But the, the Bucks have done a really good job of keeping opponents under 20 points per game the last two times they've been at home. And, um, you know, they, they let Atlanta get in there a little bit, but – yeah, uh, you know, but they they pulled away in the the second half, second half, right. really the fourth quarter, but those two pick sixes by Mike Edwards. Yeah, some breaking news that just dropped: the Bucks announced they have uh, placed Richard Sherman on injured reserve. Not necessarily unexpected. I think right. we both kind of expected that one. Um, now with Sherman on injured reserve, all attention will turn to the re- potential return of Sean Murphy Bunting. Yeah. Here's the situation with Sean Murphy Bunting, and Bruce Arians clarified this for us today. He doesn't need to be activated before the Giants game. Same thing with Scotty Miller. They don't need to be activated before the Giants game. They could still be activated on Tuesday, the day right after. That's their 21st day, I believe, is that Tuesday yeah. right after the Giants game. So the Bucks intentionally activated them with that day in mind, I think, in case they weren't ready for the right. Giants game, in case there was a setback in practice or things went along a bit slower than they thought with the recovery. They could wait out the Giants game, activate them on Tuesday, get them another week of practice and recovery, Right. And then maybe they play or maybe they're inactive uh, for the week after if there was a real setback and, and then, you know, the Colts game and then the Falcons game, you know, December 5th, they play in that game. Maybe, um, you know, that, that was just right. kind of the precaution. It sounds like everything is on schedule for the two of them. And I think yeah. the date that they envisioned all along, if everything went well, was this one, the Giants game. And this, you know, the reason they activated them was just just in case they had that day to go to and say, OK, you're going to activate you on Tuesday move you to the active roster, cut whoever we need to cut and right. have a week to get another week to get you ready. Smart by them to plan it out that way. I believe as long as everything goes okay, that Sean Murphy Bunting will return. Scotty Miller will return. We'll see yeah. about everybody else. Cameron Peralta mentioned in the chat here, I believe that Antonio Brown had an Instagram post that said something about returning New York in New York or something like that with a, yeah, with I think a, he had a, a music. Yeah, something like that where he was talking about a catch in New York or something. Um, 
see if I can find the comment maybe. But yeah, I mean, we'll so we'll see if he's back. Obviously, yeah. that's a part of this too. We'll and, talk about the Bucks offense in a, in a second. But you, you mentioned Sean Murphy Bunting, and in that game, we saw the best and worst of Sean Murphy Bunting. Right, Daniel Jones threw all right to him, and to Sean Murphy Bunting's credit, he caught it. Yeah. Um, but then he also gave up that uh, last minute touchdown in the fourth quarter uh, to Golden Tate in the end yep. zone. And, yeah, he. Um, yeah, it's been you know. <laughs> That's so that's Sean Murphy Bunting in a nutshell. Feast or famine there against the Giants. Yeah, somebody, somebody tweeted was, at me like, "Hey, uh, this, uh, this, why are you, you know, talking about Sean Murphy Bunting's potential return? Is that even helpful?" <laughs> like, it depends. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping he's better than D Delaney looked the other night because Delaney looked pretty brutal, but uh, yeah. maybe not. Um, so we'll have to see. But the Bucks corner situation becomes really significant all of a sudden right scott because oh yeah you've got a you've got a what jamel dean on who again reverted back to a dismal jamel dean game the other day uh which we just you know basically expect at this point every every three good games will be an absolute head scratcher and then you know ross cockrell was basically benched in the last game played nine snaps mike edwards played in the slot almost all last game you know what most of the big pl- the plays down the field were yeah. pretty much all of them were Dean and Delaney. It's, there wasn't really a lot say, of you, you. You got to think that unless Murphy Bunting does play in this game, I mean, Bleedy Ray Wilson's got to got to come up. Oh yeah, he's probably coming he's, up regardless, he's right? Come up regardless. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, they need a fifth because Delaney and Sherman are both down now. Uh, Delaney's probably not going to get out of protocol. By the way, got the video. I'm going to tweet it out later. Devin White just absolutely blasted D Delaney. Third time this year that he's just wrecked one of his teammates. I I mean, it's brutal. But he, I mean, Delaney's like literally sprawled out on his back, like just completely cooked. So anyway, uh, that's the Bucks corner situation right now. Yeah. Literally, the only three guys healthy right, right. now. And, and if you if you remember, Dean, Jamel Dean didn't Mark play that year. well against the Giants. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah, he played horrible. Like that, we should talk about goes. that actually. Yes, yeah. I mean, I've never seen a guy give up so many double moves in one game and not yeah, nothing did. on the stat sheet. Like, right after the game, you're just like, oh, Dean had a good game. He gave up like five yards. He right. literally could, three times they could have got him for like eighty some yard touchdowns. Yeah, and he Daniel Jones didn't hit any of them. Dudes were wide open, I know. wide open, like, and didn't hit any of them. That game should have absolutely been a loss. Yeah. But the Bucks also played horrendous football. So I they mean, did. that was probably. To it was, me, that was I think the Brady's headline, John, was games. Escape from New York, which if you're as old as me, you remember the John Carpenter movie with Snake uh, uh, Pliskin, or Pilskin, whatever his name was, um, played by Kurt Russell. It was a classic oh, 80s action movie, Escape from New York. So and that's that was the Buck situation. That's literally And they did Escape from New York. I mean, that was an was, escape, 25-23. Yeah. Yeah. If Daniel Jones had been semi-competent, that game would have been a loss, but he yes. was atrocious. Like you mentioned, the picks. Um, you know, the Carlton Davis one pick was also pretty ugly. I missed a ton of touchdowns. Yeah, and that was probably one of his worst games. Brady didn't play that well either. O line didn't play that well. Yeah. Um, I thought it's really weird play calling in that but. game. You know, the Bucks had a ton of opportunities down the field in this game, and this was the matchup, right? As we right. transitioned the offense, Mike Evans and James Bradbury. When I came to the beat, y'all told yeah. me Mike Evans has struggled over the years against James Bradbury. Yeah, this tape. I know. I don't even know what Mike Evans' final stat line was in this game. But this was a great tape for Mike Evans. I, he like he beat up James Bradbury yeah. pretty good. I know the numbers. Five catches, end, fifty-five yards, and a touchdown. And and, and to be so honest, Brady missed him a couple times in yeah. this one. This this was one where they wanted a few back because Evans was uh, Evans. Uh, not that he didn't throw to him, he threw to him. It's just they yeah. couldn't quite connect. There was a couple just barely off a of defender. You know, like a, right. underthrown a little bit, or yeah, they if. If this would have been like end of the year Bucks offense, I think they would have been absolutely cooking. And yes, he and Bradbury's not having as good a year this year either. Yeah, he's not. He's still making some plays. You know, his his pro football focus grade um, is is not as high. PFF has him as the as the the tenth best defender on the Giants. If you take out the guys who played like you know one game or three games and stuff, he moves up to like around sixth. But really, the guy in the secondary that's playing really well. Xavier McKinney, the former second-round pick out of mm-hmm. Alabama, they're strong safety. He's playing great in coverage. He's playing great in run support. Statistically, he's checking some boxes that the Giants need to have checked. You know, he, he essentially replaced Landon Collins, mm-hmm. uh, and and he's he's got four interceptions to lead the team so far. The pass breakups have been there with seven, so he's getting around the ball. He's got a pick six on the season, mm-hmm. uh, 46 tackles. And the other guy too, Adoree Jackson, who was you know cast off from from Tennessee, fifty two tackles, five pass breakups, 
And and Bradbury, he's been targeted now, right? He's been targeted. He's got 10 pass breakups, but he does have three interceptions. So um, he's he, he was Mike Evans' kryptonite until last year. And I think I think Evans was was glad to be able to put up a touchdown and get some production on him. I'm sure Bradbury yeah. wants to revert back to the way things were in Carolina, where he did a really good job on Mike Evans. But that's going to be a matchup to watch for sure. Yeah, it is. And it feels like a PFF grade per corner are always like flipping around. Bradbury has recovered from a rough start to, to this early in the season, but corners are really stable on there. And he's yeah. his grade's definitely worse than last year. But yeah, I mean, Leonard Williams, obviously their best player, defensive yes. tackle. Dexter Lawrence is a good one. They have great run stuffers inside. He, I think this is going to be one of the games, Scott, where the Bucks revamped run approach is going to really aid them. I don't know how much they'll You're run the football. outside runs? Yeah, like I'm talking about some edge? outside runs, yeah. using outside zone. Last year when they played teams with great defensive tackles, they just kept running duo and trying to double-team yeah. those guys and run it up the gut, and it just was like, silly. They wasted so many plays the against wall, the Giants. Right? Yeah, and they yeah. just yeah. – it was such a waste of time, and – now they've got a scheme that gets away from that stuff a little bit more with how much more diverse they are, kind of creating angles on those D tackles, yeah. letting blockers fold and get a pull and come down to go down the field. And um, I think it's really conducive for these types of matchups. The Giants have yeah. not been good against the run, by the way, right. at all this year. With, you know, and I think it's because of that. They have that one strength, but once teams figure out how to get away from it, you know, they're giving yeah. up 123 yards per game on the ground this year. Sure. They're giving up 4.5 yards per carry on the ground this year. So yeah. this has not been a good run defense. And I think if the Bucs can – I don't know how – again, I'm not saying run a lot if you're the Bucs. I just think that they have a lot more in the arrows and the quiver to right. find success in the run game than they have in the past. And, and I agree. And I, I think that that you look at guys like Lorenzo Carter, uh, Aziz Ojolari, you know, those are some some edge guys that, that you know – Ojalari's got five and a half sacks. He's, he's, he's an undersized pass rusher. That's what he was in Georgia. He has not put on much weight. And I think that the teams, if they can get to the outside, they like to run at him because he's just yep. not that stout against the run. And so I agree, John. I think this is the game where you really try to try to get to the edge with some zone concepts and, and turn the corner. And this is going to be a big game for Chris Godwin, for, yep. for for Tyler Johnson in the slot, being that kind of that point of attack run guy that can seal a linebacker and help Leonard Fournette get to the edge and get uh, you know maybe a ten yard run. I mean that yep. that's that, that I think is there for the taking against this. Right. And I just hope that they don't waste plays by running inside. I hope they don't do. We'll see. Or you know what? Like we'll I'd love I'd, lo I'd love to see a counter. Right. I'd love I'd yep. love to, I wish the Bucks ran more counter because. Yeah, because it, and they have this, a little bit is, more recently, but yeah, yeah, this is one of those those games I think where some counteraction up front by the offensive line could could have uh, some some good yields in the run game. Yeah, for sure. Brian Shaw says Brady misses Evans a lot. Uh, I mean, last year was Evans' highest catch percentage of his career. Number of targets converted into catches, the best percentage of his career. So Brady misses Evans less than any quarterback he has ever played with in his life. So keep that in mind, maybe, Brian, uh, when yeah. you're coming with that. Interesting that comment. Statistically, it just isn't true. Yeah, um, interesting comment here by, by Tony Saylor. Washington football team is coming off a bye, and now the Giants are coming off a bye. Buck's going to get outcoached again. I hope that's not the case. Don't think that's going to be the case. But yeah. it's, Giants it's are pretty bad coaching staff. That would be bad. Yeah, <laughs> would be bad. But, hey, listen – I'm not sure it didn't happen last year. Let's talk about underdog fantasy. Let's a little bit of positivity in your life here. Right now, underdog fantasy is doing some amazing stuff. They're doubling your first deposit with the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R. You could sign up for underdog fantasy right now. Up to $100, they're going to double your first deposit. So you put in $10. You say, okay, I want just want to play with $10. I want to do some of these player prop bets right now with these player prop bets. You pick two correct. You can triple your money. Just over, under on player stat lines. Brady, 306 and a half. Pat, passing yards you know in this game like over under and if you're right you, you get it correct and if you pick get two of those correct you can triple your money if you get a pick five correct you win 20 times the amount of money you enter with you can win a lot of money doing this um it's simple to go to underdogfantasy.com download the app sign up with this promo code pewter p-e-w-t-e-r you can build this pick them slip in seconds and what they're going to do when you do sign up and when you do this, they're just going to give you whatever you put in. So if you put it, if you just want to play with $10, they'll give you 10 and you'll, you'll have 20 to play with. And you have all those opportunities to go, you know, triple your 20 times, you win 20 times your amount of money that you put in. And they're giving you $10 to play with. So you don't even have to play with any of your own money if you right. don't want to. You can just play with theirs, but you can keep going once you start winning. 
and and uh, build it up. If you want to put in fifty dollars, they'll match it. If you want to put in a hundred dollars, they'll give you a hundred dollars, and you can get up to two hundred dollars. So it's a great deal. Enter that promo code Pewter and uh, get busy with Underdog Fantasy, winning yourself some money uh, today. So, so right. John, here, here's the great thing. It's it's these are two different companies, two different ways you can play and win and double your money. And I say that because my bookie has the same type mm-hmm. of thing. But it's a different concept because you bet on the games with point spreads and money lines, and and uh, it, this is a sports book. They're the official sports book of PeterReport.com and have been for years. From all the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while at MyBookie. Start by doubling your first deposit instantly with MyBookie's first deposit bonus. Double your money before you even place a bet. And all you have to do is sign up and deposit using the exclusive promo code Pewter. At my bookie, there are tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week. But let me point you in the right direction for your first wager this Sunday. Two powerhouse offenses meet when the resurgent Kansas City Chiefs take on the Dallas Cowboys. Damn boys have been on a tear this season, while the Chiefs continue to struggle but bounce back with a win over Las Vegas. Take the Cowboys to cover the spreads. So you can walk away with the bread. At MyBookie, don't wait any longer. Head over to MyBookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can get in the game and start winning big today. That's promo code Pewter to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account. No hassle, no wait. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Love it. Great stuff from my bookie. Okay, let's talk about this Bucks offensive approach. The Giants defense, unlike their offense, has actually played better recently. You mentioned it, Scott. They were pretty much trash to start the season. There's really no way around it. People thought Patrick Graham was going to be the next big thing in the head coaching circles, and they gave up 27 to the Broncos. They gave up 30 yeah. to Washington. They gave up just 17 to Atlanta, but lost that game as well. They gave up 27 to the Saints. That was a rough offense to start the year. Then 44 to the Cowboys, 38 to the Rams. Both of those games, they just got worked. I mean, just worked in those games. Yeah. Then they bounced back a little bit again. Bad quarterback play for the Panthers was a big part of that, right? Like the 25 to three game. I don't think offensively, let me just double check here, but offensively, I don't think this was any type of barn burner game uh, for the giants. The Panthers were two of 15 on third down in this game had 173 yards of offense. The giants just went over 300 yards of offense, 302 yards. But this game was about Sam Darnold being unwatchable. He had one of the lowest PFF grades of the year, I believe in this game. Then they come out, though, and they play tough against the Chiefs, who obviously were floundering and still trying to find their way at that point. But an encouraging game. Again, let the Raiders kind of move the ball over them, but held strong in the red zone, one for six. Obviously, great performance there in the red area on the season. They are the sixth-best red zone defense in the NFL right now. We know that stat can be a little bit fickle and fluid. That's where they're at right now, though, better right. than the Bucs uh, by a couple spots. And so this is a defense that I still think is well-coached. I do think Patrick Graham's a good coach. There is, I think there's really just been a personnel thing, right? Like figuring out who your guys are, the edge yep. rushers, who are your guys as edge rushers. That's been a whole adventure for the Giants. They it's, just have not been, been able to. Ojolari and, and Carter, and Ojolari's had yeah. some production getting to the quarterback, yeah. and Carter really hasn't. Right. Carter, I think they really thought was going to take that other leap. O'Shane Zimenez, I think they hoped would make yeah. that leap. He just hasn't. And neither of those guys right. have, have made any type of a leap. But, yeah, yeah Ojolari's been tough. You know? Uh, Quincy Roche is is a player they picked up as a depth piece. He's got one ah, sack this year. You know, I, yeah, ex Steeler. I liked him at at, uh, at Miami. Didn't know how effective he'd be. I just think he's a great college player, but I, you know, just don't know if he has the skill set to yeah. um, to really make an impact on a regular basis. But right, but John, and good. I was just gonna say the pass rush inside too. Like that's one thing that they haven't really been able. They they lost BJ Hill. He's playing great for the Giants yeah. now. And they, they had a bunch of bodies in there, so it should have been okay, but it really hasn't. I mean, it hasn't been a lot from Dexter Lawrence in that regard. It's, uh, Austin it's Johnson, Williams. a couple sacks for those guys. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's mainly Leonard Williams. And, yeah, and, and and he's obviously a good player, and he'll be he'll be a handful for them because he'll move around a little bit and he'll play outside too. And Bulls knows him really well, obviously, with his right. coach when he drafted him. But uh, So I'm sure he'll share the insights that he has. But the other thing with Williams, though, is it comes and it goes. It's not always right. – the, the motor isn't always burning as hot from start to finish as it is with some of these other guys, like a John Allen last week for Washington, who's just yeah. an absolute frenetic pace player. That's right. not always Williams. So yeah. you got to get him. against Marquette. Williams got a sack last year against the Bucks. I want to say it was against, uh, against Ryan Jensen, I think. He did Jensen get a sack. 
it might yeah. have been Jensen. I can't even remember, but yeah, it was either yeah. it, he usually is over that side, over right. the Marpet Jensen side, uh, yeah. which is good news for the Bucks. I think. Let's right. see this and, season if he's moved around. At least Pro Football Focus when I looked, and I should have just gone back to the tape. It, and Marpet had zero sacks that game, so I'm assuming it was Jensen. No, it wasn't Kappa. Yeah. Kappa didn't give up a sack that year. But the, uh, you know, the the thing is, is yeah, he's played pretty much exclusively on the right side, by the way. Yeah. Correct. And and, uh, I, and listen, Ali Marpet needs a, a bounce back game. You know, he didn't have a great start to that Washington game. It's a strong finish in the second half, but but uh, I think he's going to be raring to go. The the interesting thing, John, is for the second straight week, you know, you look at the Giants inside linebackers in this three four scheme, and you know Reggie Ragland, um, not much to write home about. Uh, the same with with Tay Crowder. I, you know, I think it's, it's a weakness. Now, at the same time, we thought the exact same thing about Washington's linebacking core. I even said it was as bad as Kansas City's. Cole Holcomb, who was one of my matchups to watch against Leonard Fournette, Holcomb had a great game. I mean, he's yeah. he, he had a, a really good game against Tampa Bay. So as, as much as I want to say this he's should awesome. be a game where where the Bucs can take advantage of that that um, you know underwhelming inside linebacker crew, core, crew, whatever you want mm-hmm. to call them, you got to got to show up on on Monday to play, but uh, yeah. I think I think that's an area where the Buccaneers can exploit some things. And you know what? If they had Gronk this game, I, I think Gronk could have a big game against the Giants. He did last year. He had a touchdown right. against New York. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. The thing I'll add here is that Washington had athletic freaks for linebackers who can do do a lot of stuff if they're if they're starting to click. Correct. They're just young. J- that's not the case with New York. Like no. these guys are just, I mean, I watched Tay Crowder play against the chiefs and I was like, this dude might yeah. be the worst linebacker in the league. So I don't know. <laughs> you know, this year I see his PFF grade actually now, and he has a 28.7 and a 29.3 in run defense. And he's out here leading yeah. their linebacker room in snaps. And he has a 31.9 grade in coverage. So absolutely. These are right. the guys you attack. There's no question about it. Again, yeah. This has to be a heavy play action game. Reggie Ragland is a thumper. He wants to come downhill. Yeah. He wants to hit and wrap. That's how he wants to play. If you get him in coverage, if you get Tate Crowder in coverage, you right. can expose these guys, tack the middle of the field. But it you've got to use play action. Game. John, it should be an yeah. O.J. Howard game, right? Should be. Should be Chris Godwin game. Should should be a game where everybody yep. can get going, honestly. like The way they're right. using Mike Evans now, playing him inside more, and he's starting to adjust better to that role, you know, I, I just think anybody can now, like, you know, yeah. obviously if Antonio Brown plays, you know, he, he can be a factor as well. So we'll see with those guys, you know, the giants haven't given up a ton of 40 plus yard air yard play, like down the field, uh, 40 plus yard passing plays, just three this season bucks have given up just two. So both these teams aren't giving up the 40 plus yarders or near the, near the top of defensively across the league in that area. But, but the right. giants, you know, they're giving up, this is going to be an interesting matchup actually in general, because the giants have given up 29, 20 plus yard pass plays this season, which is 10th best. They're pretty good at limiting big plays for opponents. Yeah. And you, the bucks obviously are kind of the same thing. They've given up a few more 20 plus yarders, but right. overall, if you look the average depth of target, so the average depth from the target from the line of scrimmage against the bucks and giants defenses is very low. The jet for the bucks, 6.5 yards past the line of scrimmage. We know they've been dinked and dunked on all season. Right. It's killed them because they're a spot dropping team. It's so reminiscent to me of watching Dick LeBeau's Steelers for years. Once, <laughs> right. once the league figured out spot dropping and just started throwing mm-hmm. it to, you know, LeBeau wanted to blitz everybody and just spot drop. It's bulls is the same exact way. It's yeah. I hate it, but that's, you know, so teams are just getting the ball underneath against the bucks at a very high rate. Cause they know where the defenders are going to be. And the giants, you know, Again, 7.2 yards, you know, so they're also trying to limit stuff and keep stuff in front of them. So everybody's going to play the Bucks that way. Like this yeah. is going to be a little bit, you know, it's going to be, everybody's going to say, oh, why isn't Brady throwing the ball deep? But the question they need to be asking is, and, and honestly, the Bucks coaching staff has adjusted and done a good job of it so far. But the Washington game, it, you right. know, they had trouble a little bit. And so we got to watch for it now. Um, the Bucks are still, you know, 43 passing plays of 20 yards or more. They're up at the top for 40-plus yard passing plays. Twenty. They've still found splash plays and explosive plays offensively at one of the highest rates in the league. So it's not a concern yet. It's just something like if every team is going to drop out and take away deep balls against you, you have to win in the intermediate areas of the field. You have to create conflict on linebackers in the intermediate areas of the field. You can use play action to do that. You can use route concepts. uh, Play action. Play action, yeah. Yeah, you can put like – you could put when Antonio Brown's back, you can make him the number go go, go trips to one side and a silver yeah. receiver to the other. Put Antonio Brown as the number three, the most innermost receiver on that side. You know, get him matched up with linebackers and safeties. You can do those kind of things. 
You can run the ball once you spread teams out and you get them if they're playing two high safeties all the time and they're going to give you a light box. You can run the ball a little bit more and force them out of it. There's lots of things you can do. The Bucs just have to do them and not do what Arians always wants to do, which is go deep. You can't – if the defense is taking that away, they're giving you something else. Right. You can't bang and, your head against the wall. Okay. And I'll tell you what, we, you and I, we kind of trashed the Washington pass defense, the secondary, you know, and, and it really it really showed up big time in it, on mm-hmm. film. And it, it, Buck fans, if you didn't have a chance to watch the Monday podcast, which was John and Paul doing the All-22 breakdown, go back and watch it. I, I know it's an hour and a half. Listen, it's worth every minute because there's so much detail about this Bucks offense, not just the Washington game, but – you will have a much better understanding of, of the whys and the hows of what the Bucks offense does, the good and the bad. And and yeah. I think that it was a fantastic video. It's really kind of one of a kind. We'll do more of those. We're gonna mm-hmm. do, we've John and I talked, we're gonna do some shorter, like like um breaking down certain plays. But I mean, just to go back to that loss and, and kind of explain just about play by play, not all the plays, but most of the plays, right. the hows and the whys of what happened. It is just a great now, I was going to say football one-on-one, but this is like really some advanced stuff. It's a really yeah. good uh, breakdown that you and Paul yeah. did. So well, there's not many guys. people out there that know the Bucks offense like Paul knows the Bucks he offense does. inside. He studied no Bruce Arians' playbooks for years. He studied Tom Brady for years. So, like, he is just kind of, yeah, he's a perfect person. He's he's great insight. And honestly, if you're into it and you love that show and you love the stuff that Paul brings, A, he's going to be doing more stuff, I believe, on our yeah. YouTube channel here coming up soon. Yes. But B, yeah. He's gonna be on with me Monday night. We got a live show going. That's right. And we're gonna be we're gonna have our pregame at 7 30, like we normally do. And the kickoff's what 8:20, 8:25, 8:30, whenever they end up getting around to it. And when that ball's kicked off, you know, Paul and I are gonna be with you all night, Monday night. Very similar to the Manning cast. You might have to make a tough is the Manning cast on. I don't even know if they're on for this week, but you're gonna have to make a tough so. decision between us and the Manning cast, maybe. But Paul and I will be breaking down everything as we watch it, going play by doing play by play, X's and O's, scheme analysis, player analysis, all that stuff during the actual game uh, throughout all four quarters. So there'll be a lot of insight to be gleaned there, and we'll be looking back at some things and, and trying to give you our best thoughts and analysis from the and game. Speaking as well. of so. Peter Report TV on YouTube, make sure you hit subscribe. And, yeah, and, and if you're watching so right now, 6, yes, we are. What are we like 50 away? Something like less that, than fifty, yeah. something like that. It's we're really close. So try to hit subscribe, send it, get some other people to subscribe. You know, and also if you're watching the videos from now, if you hit those thumbs up, yeah, thumbs like up buttons, on our video, please. just literally just click that while you're watching. That's a huge help to us. It boosts us up on YouTube. It helps us get in front of more eyes and more people trying to grow this thing out. If we can keep growing this thing, and we keep getting these uh, good attendance and everything like that for these shows, that's when we're like, okay, you know. We go to our boss and we're like, okay, let's put more money into YouTube because it's yep. growing and we'll, we'll give you more content for you. Yeah, exactly. So you guys have been great. Uh, it's been uh, terrific uh, so far, honestly. This game, we're, we're getting to that point, Scott, where we need to kind of identify kind of what's going on in this game. Like we'll, we need to put our money where our mouth is and make some predictions here. And well, I know yeah. some people believe that I'm not going to pick the bucks this week. Can you believe that? Wow. This is going to be interesting Why to see what you that, do. Scott? But John, the great thing is you mentioned money and there's only one place to turn with your money. If you're not placing bets, if you want something a little bit more safe and more return for your investment, leave it to our friends at Immuni Financial. At Immuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amy Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. John, let's get a Colorado, man. Let's do it. Managing your family's wealth means more to Amy Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts. And if you're like me with four teenagers, college savings accounts and insurance services with over 40 years of experience in the Tampa Bay area. Let Immunity Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Call Immunity Financial at 1-800-868-6864 or visit them like I did at immunity.com. And folks, I have um, a good chunk of my retirements with Immunity Financial, so I trust them and I, I want you to give them a call and talk to David, talk to Mark, talk to everybody over there. And see what you think and and, if, and see if it's the right place to do your investments. I, I think yep. you'll, you'll find it is. Tony asked if uh, Paul or I have any coaching or scouting experience. Uh, no, I've coached high school ball for a couple of years, Tony. Um, you know, just as a line coach, offensive, defensive line. 
uh, coach and scouting. Which one you like better, John? Actually, I liked coaching defensive line yes. much better. Um, no question oh my about God. it. Yeah, oh my, my biggest my biggest strength was teaching pass rushers because it's the it's the I've studied. You asked yeah. Tony asked about scouting. I've studied that position like crazy, just body movement and what's important to have at that position and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, to, just mainly self taught stuff in terms of scouting. I mean, I've definitely had conversations to learn from a lot of people who do it as a profession. I'm not sure about Paul. I mean, the dude reads like. A, maniac it's insane i mean his, his memory's like photographic too yeah he's probably the most intelligent people i've ever met yeah so yeah so especially uh, the offensive side of the, of the ball yeah See, oh I, my gosh passing game is yeah. it's it's bad for me because it's like i like i, I took a accounting or not accounting oh god I just had a bad dream with accounting took an advertising <laughs> class in college as a public relations major and and you know the old saying it's like if you take an, an advertising class you'll never watch television commercials or see ads the same because you can have that that knowledge, uh, inside scoop on what the what they're trying to accomplish with these ads. And I, I played defensive line in high school for a couple of years. I've always loved defensive line. Yep. You know, coached the Pop Warner. I, I've gone to coaching clinics, the high school level, college level. Um, I've had some of the Bucks defensive uh, coaches give me some private film sessions. Joe yep. Cullen, Greg Schiano uh, over at, at Greg's house. Um, was kind enough to really show me a lot of, of defense and mm-hmm. and uh I, I just love that that part of it so it's it's weird like when i when i watch some film i always look at it from the defensive perspective because mm-hmm. I, I hate offense i just gonna say it but, <laughs> but listening to paul and and you on on the, the podcast and talk about the the offensive concepts that bruce arians likes to run and what tom brady likes to do is so educational for me to really mm-hmm. kind of see it and hear it see from an offense perspective. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So I'm excited to do more of those things for sure. But you know what? Another thing I'm excited about, Scott, we don't have a graphic for this, but the Leonard segment is basically gone because we just haven't had much to talk about. Leonard yeah. hasn't made any mistakes and Rojo, he's not playing. So the Ronald segment, yeah, we haven't been able to really do that either. He had one snap in the last game. I didn't even notice that he played. I still haven't I didn't found either. Snap, actually. So I don't <laughs> yeah. know when he got in the field, but we just haven't been able to. But there might be a new segment, Scott, because Jamel Dean is that dude on defense, right? Like, just you never know when it's Jamel, what are you but doing? It's, it's going to be epic when he does something. You're like, this play, okay, situation third and 14. They're at the Tampa Bay 39-yard line. I wrote about it today in Bucks Briefing if you yeah. read my column. I mean, he has it, – it. the Bucks call it perfectly, dude. Like, Todd Bowles had the perfect play. Blitz Winfield off the edge. Heineke didn't see him step – he yeah. was he was off, off the slot, I should say. Heineke wasn't Quick expecting him to blitz. Winfield yeah. timed it perfectly. They didn't shift the protection, so he comes in unaccounted for. Heineke has to get the ball out because it's his responsibility since yeah. he didn't shift the protection. Winfield comes flying in. Heineke has to get the ball out. Check down on third and 14. Jamal Dean reads it perfectly, comes right up in the flat. John, let me Absolutely ask you should make this tackle let for one to two yard game. Play it. Hold on. Let me ask you a question. How many players are there on defense? There's 11. 12. There's 12 on defense because you have the sidelines. The <laughs> sidelines is always your 12th man on defense. Okay. So well, nobody like, told Jamal Dean because I'm third and 11. Jamel, this dude the came up. Guy. And what? Get to the sidelines. Oh, why? The oh, man. Oh. Show it again. Controller break? Like, oh. What oh. is that? Get him oh, out of bounds. My. Get him out of bounds. But that's the thing. He just has a lot, oh. like, these random occurrences of, like, where his instincts just, like, it's like he's never been on a football field before. Like, there's no <laughs> other way to put it. Like, it's just those kind of situations where it's just, like, all of a sudden, like, who like where am i like it's that like that's what it's like, like oh my say just show clips of van trump getting go, todd todd what are you doing jt has coverage to coverage like your God. first round pick todd he rushes uh. the passer <laughs> he's an edge rusher he's not in safety uh. but yeah jamel dean man that was the that was the malfunction of the year that turned by the way a third and 11 into a third and three or four or yeah. fourth and three or four yeah. And they were in field goal range. They could have kicked a 45-yarder, but they also had the option to go for it then because Dean of Dean's mistake. And so they went for it. They got it. They ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive. Yeah. Obviously, it's just a massive play in the game. Would have been yeah, probably was. no points. Probably would have yeah. been a punt. It would have been a long field goal with their third kicker. Coaches talk about hidden yardage, little right. things like that. It's not just and, special teams slipping right. the field. It's, it's plays like that. That's hidden yardage right there. And, and when people go at the end of a game and they react and say, you know, fire this guy, fire this guy, just remember, football games come down to – 
a couple of plays like that yeah. almost all the time. Especially when it's like a, a game like this where, yeah, the upset yeah. happens. Yeah. So just remember those plays being a big part of it. Not saying coaches and everything you don't deserve blame too, but little plays <laughs> like that change the whole outcome of the game. But Brian Chavita is an elite, an elite ball. We haven't sure, seen so. it quite yet. Have not seen any interceptions yeah. from Vita Mea yet. Yeah, he he has had good coverage a couple times. I'll give him that. Yeah. He just drops out and the running back's checking down underneath and he literally just like lays on the guy's back. It's pretty yeah. impressive. Yep. No way anybody's throwing the ball there, but it's pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, it's time now. We got to give our predictions for this game. Bucks against yeah. Giants. What do you think happens on Monday Night Football, Scott? You're actually thinking about picking the Giants here, aren't you? No, I'm, I'm not. Wow. I'm Keep not. this in mind, by the way, grateful listeners. Scott said at the beginning of the year the Bucs were going to be 13 and four, and That's he had right. them at the lowest record of any of us at PFF. I got or chewed any of us out at, on uh, Twitter at Pewter Report. Yeah. But you have not picked them to lose any week on the show or That's any right. week in our previews and predictions. You've picked I've been a believer. I have. You've There's been a no believer doubt. despite the record. I have. Listen, so, hey, I, I, I even I even tweeted out at halftime. I said the Bucks were down 17-0 in Atlanta, right, and they came back to win. I fully expected the Bucks to come back to win that game until the defense couldn't get off the field. Yeah. I just expected Tom Brady oh, yeah. to, to lean it back. I did. I mean, that last um, drive was unreal to me to watch. I was just like – It was embarrassing. I've never happening. seen anything oh, like it. That was – yeah, it was – pathetic uh, okay so um I, I will not go off on a long-winded boring comment here sorry kim um i i'm, <laughs> Kim. I'm, Kim. I'm gonna keep it short and sweet the bucks are gonna Jeez, win at home because they're the better team they play better at home it's gonna be a close game i thought the washington game was gonna be close i think i i predicted what 26 20 or something at washington i think that's I what my score was it was the closest out of I all didn't. of them um, oh yeah, we all, I, we I all were predicting the like, blowouts. I, I didn't yeah. think that at all. I mean, this is going to be a close game. <laughs> yeah, uh, this uh, one's going to be close. So, what do you think? He's a 22 I'm. I think they hit thirty. I'm going to say thirty to twenty-three. I think they're going to win by seven. Okay. I think it's twenty-seven to twenty-two. Bucks they win. Don't score thirty at home. No, don't wow. score thirty at home. Oh wow! Giants defense is playing better. Bucks okay. at night. Yeah. <laughs> we'll yeah, that's true. Hey, well, listen to John. There's something to that. I'm gonna get a little longer. Maybe here. I don't know. I mean, they were night in the playoffs. They were night in the Super Bowl. They played best game. One true, of best games this I've year, seen in memory. 31-29 at home against the Cowboys on Thursday yeah. Night Football. Looked amazing Nine. that game, other than the fumbles. Right, 1917 though, uh, with uh, uh, against the, the Patriots on the mm-hmm. road. Another Sun that was Sunday Night Football. Thursday Night Football, 28-22. Right. So they have not played like tremendously well in prime time. They've played well enough to win two right. of the or actually all, all three of those games. But yeah, they've been very close games. So right. I think they win 27 to 22. Um, I think that Daniel Jones driving for a touchdown late in the game with a chance to win it. And Levante David, who dropped an interception last year on right. the Giants yeah. winning or almost game tying drive. Um dropped and he you know one right in his gut uh, i think yeah. he gets one i think he gets his first pick of the year in this one okay. um so that's how i see it but i'll add this too i said on twitter that the that the bucks were frauds right now because of the way that they were playing recently after they lost to washington you to me i don't i don't know whether this you know you can't lose to trevor simeon and taylor heineke and back-to-back weeks the way that the bucks lost or not right. back-to-back weeks you know twice in three weeks with the yeah. bye in back-to-back games the yep. way that they lost that has already been an issue this year. It's not like penalties and it was the first game, penalties and mistakes and drops and all that kind of stuff plagued them. No, it wasn't. And so you can't do that back-to-back games as a team that's supposed to be your veterans are doing that kind of stuff. Like that to me is an issue. That's something that like, if it happens once, okay, it happens once. You do it twice with a buy to get everything right in between. Yeah, like you're not a Super Bowl contending team. You wrote as much this week, not right now. Neither of us have ever said that they won't be at any point right. to see that they don't have that ability. That's a different this story. Team if we felt right that way, we'd say it. It's not a but, Super Bowl right. contender. The way they have to playing, evolve, change, right. grow, improve, get better right. for them. The to Bears be game was great, right. but letting the Eagles come all the way back with that pathetic team, like right. that's not there. A bunch of teams that don't have great offenses and don't have great quarterbacks right now are taking it to you way too often. And they're not putting up 40. I'm not saying that. But when you get against the good ones, they're going right. to put up 40. Like, yeah. And I know there's the caveat that the Bucs need to get healthy. I'll allow it. I don't yeah. know how much Sean Murphy Bunting changes things, but Carlton Davis right. will change things for sure. And when he returns, I think that that helps. But how much? This has yeah. been an issue with Bulls. If he didn't have those two, three games, maybe, if you want to count the Packers game in the playoffs, 
we'd all be singing a much different tune about Todd Bowles at this point. So I don't really trust that side of the about ball. Todd Bowles or, offense is great. Or Sean Murphy Bunting. Oh, well, both. both right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both. <laughs> I, I do trust the Bucks offense to get some things figured out and, and play better. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so I, I think they'll win, but I, I don't know that it'll be the the most dominant. I just think defensively this team has some issues right now, and we'll see who plays. But hopefully they, they prove me wrong and they come out yeah. and have a dominant and, performance. And That's listen, what they're the, capable The of. thing is the Giants' strength is their secondary. All right, you've got a guy in, in Logan Ryan who knows Tom Brady. He went up against mm-hmm. him for years yeah. in practice, right? And so you've got, you've got Logan Ryan, you've got – uh, uh, Xavier McKinney, the other safety, those guys are playing well. James Bradbury has fared well against Mike Evans in the past. Dory Jackson, that's a that's a pretty good quartet mm-hmm. of 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 guys. And, and the linebacking play is suspect, but uh, you know, so are the edge rushers. But I think the strength is their secondary. And without AB, we're not seeing guys that can consistently separate. Uh, you know, I'm going to give a pass to Chris Godwin at a gimpy foot. I think Mike Evans did a yep. pretty good job. You have to give Mike the ball more. Uh, right. Speaking of more, we appreciate more money from William. Bob. Yeah. We, always we, the super chat. Thank we you. don't have any updates. William here yet. Uh, Aaron said maybe tomorrow once he sees him move around, he said Gronk looked fine today, but, but we'll just have to see, um, you know, as, yeah. as the week goes on, we'll get updates on all these guys. We'll get them up for you on the site right away. Thank like you. we always do. So uh, we'll see about that one. Last thing I'll say here, and then we got to close it out. I know, yeah. cause we got to get out of here, but I, I think that last week, the bills or two weeks ago, the bills and the Cowboys who were two of the best teams in the NFL had really embarrassing losses. Like the Cowboys got crushed. Like they were down 30 to nothing. They scored two right. late touchdowns that were meaningless by the what Broncos. Happened the next week? That was one of the most embarrassing losses of the year by any team. No oh, question. Yeah. But the Cowboys had played great. Like they had what lost to the Bucks right. on that last second field goal. That was it up until that point. They beat everybody else. I know they hadn't played like the toughest schedule, but they they were crushing some people. Like they were scoring. They beat the Patriots and the Chargers and they beat some good right. teams. They lost that game. Super disappointing. They played horrible on offense. Couldn't get anything going at all. Then they come out and they absolutely destroyed Atlanta, who was playing better yeah. at that point. Atlanta, I've yes. never bought into the Atlanta hype, but they right. were playing better at that point, and they just wrecked them. I mean, forty-three destroyed to three. It was thirty-six. What nothing at halftime. Yeah. It was it, it was, was complete and utter destruction. It was we're one of the best teams in the NFL type of performance. Pass rush coverage, everything. It was that was the response to a disappointing loss. Bills horrible game against Jacksonville, like unbelievably laughable loss. We made fun of it on this pod like crazy, just like yep. we made fun of the Bucks loss to Washington. <laughs> yeah. Nine to six, they lose. They come out, took them a little while to get going. They destroy the Jets, right? Yeah. Like, or was it, the, it was the Jets, right? Yeah, yeah it was the Jets, Jets, yeah. Who was a bad team? The Giants right. are a bad team. They're a bad team. They're maybe not as bad as the Jets, but they're pretty bad. The Jets the Buc- are a good team. The Bucks have the, the capability with how the defense is played at home, how the offense is played at home. If they flip the on switch – like, hey, we're home. Yeah. Let's turn on the lights. If they do that, they can have another blowout type win. They can do if, that. They're if capable they're, of doing that. Yeah, if they're on the level of the Bills and the Cowboys and the Packers, and right. you want to put the Cardinals in there. It's been a while since we've seen them at, at full strength. You yeah. want to put the Cardinals in there. If they're on that level, they come That's out and they, they dominate do. this football game. They don't yeah. screw around. They don't barely win the game at the end. And right. There's no fluky stuff like last year. If they're a dominant football team right now, it doesn't mean they couldn't be one in Week 17, right. but they don't you know, Week 18 or whatever. If but they if they're the one Giants, right now, if they're like not the frauds Bears right now, the they go Dolphins. out and they win by yeah. 25, 30, 24, yeah. 30 points. Like, that's what happens if, if they're that kind of team. So – We'll see what they're made of. That's that's how great teams respond after. I mean, it's been it's crazy to say, but it's been almost a month. It's been it'll be a month since the Bucks. By the time they play the Giants, since they won a football game because of the right. bye, obviously, and the yeah. the weird schedule. But that that'll be what we're at basically with their games, and that's a long time to go. So you cannot lose this football game. It is a absolutely a must win game, and they need to do it, and not just do it, but they need to do it really well. I think to make yep. it count. Um, so. Here we go. Uh, we're wrapping it up. Tomorrow we'll be back on the podcast. Don't know who's going to be on or don't know what we're going to be talking about. So it's a mystery pod. Make sure you come on and check it out and find out what's going on. Your boys reporting for jury duty tomorrow. So everything's up in the air. We're going <laughs> to see how this thing goes. But Pewter Game Day Show obviously is going to be Monday as well, 7.30 p.m. pregame and 8.20 for the start of the game. Paul and I will be with you. We'll take you throughout the game. And then we'll still have the postgame podcast later that night, wrap everything up and put a bow on it for you as well so as always thanks so much for listening for everybody and we appreciate y'all and we'll see you again tomorrow on another edition of the pewter report podcast out